seeing Sublime in a in a little tiny restaurant, you know. Um, Shut up. Corn would play at the same venue we would. In fact, a couple of them lived in and in the same apartment complex as me. Oh, you're in a band? Yeah, I'm in a band. What, what band are you in? Uh, we're called Corn. Uh, what's your band? Barrel House. Oh, okay, cool, man. This is back to your story. Rock and roll, baby. Boom! How are we doing, brother? Good, man. Good. I I really appreciate you making the trek all the way. What would it be? Up here, right? Yeah. Definitely. Um, you know, when I when I reached out to you and, and you said where you know where you lived, I don't want to, you know, throw it out there, but I was like, fuck, he's not gonna make the trek up here. And no. you graciously did. And you know, I, I appreciate that from the bottom of my heart, man. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on, man. It's cool. Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. I don't mind driving. No? I don't mind traffic and I don't mind driving, man, because, you know, I kind of do that for a living in a way with the band going across the country. Yes. And um, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't bother me at all. You know, I, I, I agree. You know, for me, being in a car is one of the very few times where I get to be alone. Right. Without any distractions, without anything. I mean, obviously people can call you and shit like that, but it's like you can tune the rest of the world out. And so I call it my me time and my my, my wife and um, a lot of people that know me, like when I drive to work or I'm driving home, that's Brock's time. So it's like unless uh, it's a, it's an emergency or there's shit going on, don't fucking call me, you yeah. know. I can kind of just do whatever the hell I want, get deep in my thoughts, tune the rest of the world out, cry, laugh, fart, do whatever the fuck it is, you know? And yeah. and so, like, I, I do enjoy driving. You know what else I enjoy doing? Mm. Washing dishes. Oh, you lost me. No, 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 no. <laughs> hear it out, hear it out, hear it out, right? Watch, listen. When I was a little kid, my, my father would make my brother and I, at the end of every single night, um, wash the dishes. Right, that was kind of like our chore. Now, I fucking hated it back then. I, I hated it with a passion. But as an adult now, thirty six years old, there's something like cathartic about it. The hot water's going. I, I have a podcast. Or I'm just deep in my thoughts, and uh, and I just kind of like once again like tune the rest of the world out. And it's uh, it's very very strange. People give me the same freaking look, but. It has that same type of feeling um, that I, I I just I enjoy. I don't know. Hey. Now, whatever floats your boat. <laughs> now putting dishes away, my wife will testify that uh, I fucking hate doing that shit. Mm. So teach their own. Yeah. But uh, all right, man. Let's let's get to <clears> it. So uh, for people just uh, tuning in after we did that little quick banter, why don't you uh, do a brief introduction if you could, please? Yeah, I'm. Uh... Harless Sweetwater, singer, songwriter, guitar player, and uh, I love beer. There we go. <laughs> and I love rock and roll. Let's go. <laughs> Salute. Like I was telling you in the beginning, uh, before before we started recording, man, uh, this season I've not had one drink on the show, right? Mm -hmm. And I have not been drinking uh, a lot because I tend to not like the way it makes me feel the next day. Mm. But uh, when you said Modelo, I was like, all right, it must be a sign from the beer gods because I'm like, I'm going to fucking have a couple with this dude. Hey. So, it's my, so good. It so is. Good. It is. Yeah. It's, it's so weird because when I was a kid, I fucking hated it. But uh, 
you know, like once I got into my 30s, especially, it just, uh, there's, there's just something so nice about it. Um, so brother, like for, for you, where does your story start? Um, I'm not getting on my phone. I'm just putting do not disturb on. So, well, I mean, you know, which part, you know, which part of the story? The beginning. Oh, where'd you grow up? Uh, I grew up in Orange County. I uh, was born in uh, Whittier, California. Okay. I lived there for a little while, and then we moved to uh, South County, Orange County, uh, Laguna Niguel. Nice. And stayed there until I was 14, and then uh, got shipped up to uh, Huntington Beach. Well, I've been there ever since. Damn, yeah. never left. I mean, Huntington Beach is so nice, man. Yeah. They're kind of killing the vibe, though, right now. Why? A lot of, of high-density buildings going up, apartments. And, you know, I can remember back in the day when, uh, well, just what it was before. Yeah. And the way it is now, it's, they, they strip away, um, all the charm, all the really cool vibe of it. And they make it this, this kind of cookie cutter HOA type just bullshit. Bullshit. You know, there's, there's nothing worse than a fucking HOA. Yeah. And I mean that with the bottom of my heart, man, you know, living up here in Newhall, which is like, it's very different than the rest of Santa Clarita, right? Santa Clarita is once again, it's like very cookie cutter. Everything is like prefabricated and that's just how most of Santa Clarita is. But Newhall, uh, being so old, right? Like there, there is no HOA right over here. Everything, it, it just feels like natural, if you will, um, you know, some the, your next door neighbor might have his lawn cut. The other next door neighbor might not. Right? Uh, the properties are bigger, and it's just it it, it. it for me, like that's what I like. You know, I I don't like um, these like prefabricated areas, and especially when you take something like a Huntington Beach, right? And that has had this amazing charm for fucking as long as I can remember. And then you have these bureaucrats, bureaucrats come in uh, and and try to fucking change it. It, it. it it fucks it all up. Yeah, it's money. It well, of course, it's um, that's what it's all about. Yeah. That's the only thing that's about, and tourism. And tourism is money. So yeah. that's really all they care about. Absolutely. Is it? Um, has it been going on for a long time? Is this something that you've seen in the past five years? Uh. Well, you know, they completely did the downtown area. And um, like I said, I remember what it was like before. Very cool, very beachy, you know, just uh, kind of run down, but yeah. cool, cool shops, cool restaurants, you know, cool bars. Yeah. And uh, now it's, uh, it is what it is now. Like it's, uh, it's kind of, you know, I don't know how to describe it, but you, you know what I'm talking 100%. about. 100%. That's real clean and geared towards uh tourism and all these things it's know? like what they're doing to venice yeah you know terrible you know it sucks man like I, I remember when uh you know growing up as a kid going to venice it had this like grungy dirty feel to it and uh i loved it yeah and now i i went out uh, with my buddy like a few months ago and uh we were out there at like one two o'clock in the morning and it was just like Dude, it was just nice, <laughs> and that's just not what Venice normally felt like for for as long as I can remember. Yeah. And there's that charm and that grit when it's uh, dirty and grimy, yeah. but it's it's got soul, it's got life. 
hit it right on the head, man. That's what, that's uh, exactly how I feel. Yeah. You know, they're stripping the soul out of it. They're stripping the, just the vibe and the coolness out of it and, and, uh, making it, uh, you know, what's the word where it's just like, uh, just milk toast. It's just, uh, you know, just so, uh, clean and, and all the colors are the same. And yes. Just, I don't know how to describe it other than just bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I was talking about that, the restaurant I was telling you about earlier in, in Boyle Heights. And, um, and as I was, as I was leaving, yeah. um, last week, uh, and getting back to the freeway, I looked around and, you know, it's a, it's a rundown area. We'll just say it's a rundown area. Yeah. But that's what made it so cool. Yes. And I came up to a stoplight and, uh, you know, there's these, these, uh, these guys on the, on the park bench or sorry, the, the bus stop bench. And they're talking and they're like, oh yeah, there's Victor over there. Hey, Victor. And he's talking, Victor's this guy in a, with no legs in a wheelchair. And he's talking to some woman over the, across the street, the Seven Eleven, And I was like, dude, this, how much are apartments up here? Yeah, let's <laughs> go. Know? Let's this go. Is, this is my kind of place. You yes. Know, you turn the corners of a fucking taco truck right there. Yes. I was like, this is my kind of place. Yeah. And. You know, I, I hate to sound like I'm complaining because I, I am, but I'm, I don't want to sound that way because whatever. Um, it's just the way that I like things, yeah. um, how they were. And um, and uh, it's not like that anymore. And they're putting up, like I said, these high density buildings. Um, first of all, we don't need any more people living nope. in Huntington Beach. Nope. Uh, it's clogged up enough as it is. And here, uh, where are all these people coming from is what I want to know. Where are they finding these people that want to live there? And it's super expensive, annoyingly yeah. expensive. And um, it's just a drag. I yeah. like the way it was back in the day. I get it. Now, back in the day, you would appreciate this. Um, for instance, before they did all this bullshit back in the 80s, there was a uh, a club called Safari Sam's. Okay. And this is, that was just this cool, dingy bar where all the fucking bands play, bro. The yeah. Descendants, all those punk bands came through there and played at Safari Sam's. Let's go. And it was so cool. They had poetry readings and punk rock shows. And, and then around the corner was the Golden Bear. Okay. And that was really famous. Like, um, all kinds of headlining national acts would come through there. And it was just so bitching. We're talking like uh, um, anyone you can think of, the Buffalo Springfield, Jimi Hendrix, The Doors. Shit. I mean, bands like that. I'm, what's it called? It was called The Golden Bear. Pull that up. The Golden Bear? The Golden in, Bear. In what city? Huntington, Huntington Beach. Huntington right Beach. on PCH. Bro. All right. And they had a mural on the side of it um, with, uh, I remember, I can't remember exactly who was on there, but it was, uh, I, remember, I think Linda Ronstadt was on there. Okay. But, Everybody came through the the birds. It was been there since the sixties. Is that it right there? Mm-hmm. Holy shit, man! Yeah, old Let's, theater. Look at look at dude. The, look at that. Hold for you, zoom out just a little bit, dude. Look at that. That's incredible. You know, just for the people listening right now, uh, we're looking at the Golden Bear. Uh, like, pull it up on Google. It's fucking cool. Click on that one right there with the van. Right there, dude. Look at that. Yeah. That is sick. Yeah. Okay. Beautiful theater, yeah, yeah, yeah. all kinds of bands. But Tyler, you could probably find the bands real quick. Who some of the bands that played oh, yeah. there? But um, 
just, you know, they, they tried, they tore it down. They tried to bring it back and it was next to a movie theater. So the, the music was, uh, you know, bothering the, the people in the theater. I don't doubt it. And so they did away with it. Dude, again and let, let me just read this. It started out as a restaurant and eventually hosted such artists as Dick Dale, Janis Joplin, Arlo Guthrie, Stevie Ray Vaughan, The yeah. Doors, Jackson Brown, Jimi Hendrix, Jonah Jett, The Blackhearts, Dave Mason, Tower of Power. Chamber Brothers. I mean, dude, the list goes on. <laughs> Is that man. crazy or what, dude? I've never heard of this place, oh, dude. It was that was the <sighs> that's when it was magical. Yes, you know? magical yes. place to to live. Yeah, and um, and so you would go there as a kid. I never went there, but um, my dad had um, some. Uh, there's these apartments right on the beach, okay. um, and I could see the Golden Bear from his place. I mean, these Fuck. apartments are literally on the beach yeah and it's a bitching place um so going there i would always see the mural and see the the marquee yeah and um i wish i wish i would have um it was a little bit before your time it was but uh, i think it was i can't remember when it was torn down but um i know i you want to pull that up i know it was still there when i was in high school so damn 80s yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure but like joplin and hendrix and all dude yeah, how dude. sick would that be oh my god what was it uh they closed it in 1986 19 oh the okay. year i was born man so fucking yeah. hell man yeah so now it's you know that's still the cool factor that they they took away from it and you could if you want you could pull up safari sam's too, oh yeah yeah pull that up because that, that was the more punk rock place okay and okay i know the descendants and god i, I can't even remember all the bands that played th- there but um so it was like fender's ballroom in the olympic those venues that the, all those bands came through and played yeah. um Dead Kennedys, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Safari Sam's Huntington Beach. There we go, brother. Yeah, I'll, I'll pull that up right there. One of the the uh posters, for yeah. Look like, at the flyers, dude. Look at that mad parade party doll. I just saw it with social, social distortion. I mean, dude, that's just sick, dude. Let's go. And, and that's gone. That's gone. Fuck. I think I'm not sure, but I think they turned it into the um surf museum okay I oh could, that's cool i could be wrong but um yeah 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 it was a shitty little small yeah place yeah, 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 yeah. but so cool but uh, dude still i mean that's cool though if they turned it did they turn it into a surf museum yeah it's a surf museum damn that's kind of sick though what's yeah. it called now it's uh the home of the international surfing museum wow that's okay all right yeah. well you know could be worse yeah you know yeah so but um yeah you know I want to take it back real quick, though, because uh, we were talking offline and you were talking about the chicken place and you gave it a kind of a brief shout out. But uh, you want to mention the name real quick? The kid? Uh, yeah. Pioneer Chicken is is the place yeah. in Boyle Heights yeah. off Soto Street. Dude, t- I explain the story real quick. Well, I you know, I don't want to get it all balled up. You okay. Know, but um, basically, Pioneer Chicken is an old chicken um, restaurant. Yeah. And uh, I believe it was established in 61. Yeah. And uh, they were very popular in the uh, 70s and 80s, Um, as you saw, uh, Muhammad Ali, O.J. Simpson. O.J. Simpson, the juice. Yeah, were all like, uh, you know, in their commercials. Yes. And um, they were all over. We had one in South County, too. But um, uh, they got bought out or bought up um, by uh, Popeye's Chicken, I believe, he told me. And and there's two remaining that I know of. the one in Boyle Heights and the one in, uh, what did I say, Bell Gardens? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, so his parents uh, run that, and they have run it for a long time. And this kid is like 19, 
and he's just bringing in, ushering in the whole new era. Yeah. You know, like Jerry Buss did with the Lakers. Dude, you know, I, just love a whole I love it. I love it. I love it. And just, you know, the, 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 I call him kids, you know. I mean, 19, uh, bro, he's a kid. Yeah, he's a it's kid. A kid. Uh, but he's just, um, it's just killing it. Yeah. And he's growing their business and he's got some amazing ideas that he shared with me. And, um, I'm just like I told you, I, I, I met him for the first time the other day. Yeah. I had been there to eat before, like a month or so before. And um, I met him. He invited me to come check it out and see some of the changes and talk with him. And I told him, I go, dude, I just met you right now. And I don't know you, but I am really proud of you, bro. Yeah. I'm so proud yeah. of him. He's just killing it right now. Yeah. So 19, man. Yeah. Got to have him on. He's, he's, it's, it's just a great story yeah. because it's an old establishment. Yeah. It's an old, um, it was a, you know, any, uh, people that were my age and lived in, especially Southern California yeah. would know it and appreciate the retro. He's bringing back, uh, I, I won't, I'll let him, no, 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 yeah. let him, let him, let him, let him, let him, let him, let him. Yeah. yeah uh, give me one second. Cause I just want to turn off the air. Cause it, uh, it will, I just, I realized that I did not shut it off. Um, uh, here we go. Um, uh, you know, for, for, People, let me just shut this off. My apologies. There we go. Um, I want you to set that introduction up because I, you know, yeah. just you tell me that's so I was like fucking inspired, man. Um, you know, for you though, like music has been such a huge part of your entire life, right? Now, as far back as you can remember, like, was there someone or something that flipped that switch on? Oh, I was thinking about this on the way up. Um, and it's funny that you say that. I ask it in that way because I was thinking of it in terms of flicking on a switch. Wow. And I'm um, trying to think back and um, realize some things um, in thinking of that. So to answer your question, um, no, there was no switch. And I'll tell you why. Um, upon thinking about it, um, there was always music in my house. My mom was always blasting records and there was music in the car. My dad and my mom both loved music, especially my mom. And so it was just there uh, playing. So the weird thing about it is, um, or what I think is interesting uh, is that it was just there, like having an arm or a leg or a piece of clothing. Yeah. Um, but I was very connected with it yeah right as far as i can back as i can remember my earliest age my earliest memory um it was just a part of me so it was almost as if it was um uh just kind of there before wow in my in a past life in a past you know um dimension or whatever you want to call it it, it wasn't like what is this? No, I already, I already appreciated it from the get-go, and I was already into it. It wasn't like something new to me. It just was. It already existed in me before I was even born. That's what it felt like. Wow. So I remember just my mom had records, flipping through the records, looking at, uh, now I'm talking, I'm like four years old, four years old flipping through her records, looking at all the pictures and the content on the back, 
all the liner notes, pulling out the record, looking at the the label, seeing who wrote the songs, the names of the bands, all the record company. I, I read everything. Yeah. And um, there was certainly songs that like resonated with me. And uh, I was listening to some of them on the way up here. I was like, I'm going to check them out. So I put them on. Uh, one of them, um, I just tell you, I'm, I'm going to be 54 soon. So I go back. Dude, you look incredible. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, no. Yeah, thanks, man. Dude, Tyler. <laughs> 50. Dude, yeah. I would have said like 42. I'm yeah. not even bullshitting. Thanks. Yeah. So, you know, these songs, um, I listened to them and I was, cause I was thinking about them. And one of them was a song called um, Sundown by Gordon Lightfoot. And I can remember hearing that song because it was, had just come out or was pretty new. Yeah. This is talking like 74. Yeah. And um, 75, something like that. And um, just digging it, digging the, 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 the groove of it, digging the, digging the, the melody of it. Um, Another big one for me was Benny and the Jets. Yeah, Elton John. Benny and the Jets. I was just obsessed with that song. Asked my uh, cousin to write down. Can you write down all the lyrics for me? And um, there's one song in particular, and um, there was this cat named Gilbert O'Sullivan, and he's kind of a one-hit wonder. But um, this, his one hit that he had was called um, "Alone Again Naturally." That's a great name. And um, I can remember being four years old and that song just was, I knew it was a cool song. I knew it was a special song and somehow, some way, like it's almost indescribable. It just resonated with me. And, um, to this day, um, I cannot get through that song without welding up with tears. No way. I can't, get through it i love singing it and it gets to a certain part I, I gotta let go i still listen to it but i can't finish singing along with the record it just it hit me back then and i don't know why i was only four years old man yeah. but the point being is um um music was just was there was no flick of the switch there were moments when certain bands came into my life and certain moments where I was like, boom, boom, you know, like, dang, yeah. okay. And um, certain people in my life that, that brought me music. But um, as far as music goes as a whole, I was, it was almost like I was already, already knew what it was. I already felt what it was. It had been, I almost had carried that sentiment with me into this life. Wow. I don't mean to get too deep. No, but no, no, no. I love that. But I was thinking exactly what you said. Was there a flick of the switch? And I thought, no, there wasn't. I just loved music. It was just always around. It was like putting on a shirt or making a sandwich. It just existed. What do you think that is? Like I said, I, I really do think that it was with me beforehand in some other life or um, some other way um, I was connected to music um, because um, I... You know, and there's a lot of people that probably feel the same way, and musicians that are the same way. Yeah. Not just in that, but in other mediums too: um, painting, sculpting, writing, whatever it may be. Um, acting. Uh, 
it just is a part of you and it will never ever leave um i know that i you know here i am 54 still playing still writing still creating still pumped still hyped about it and it'll be that way till i die and i anyone that uh, comes across in my world figures that out really really quickly yeah you know i had a girlfriend one time she's like ask my sister she said when is he going to stop, you know, with this whole music bullshit, you know, trying to make it and, and be a rock star and all these things. And my sister, and I was in my twenties and my sister goes, never, wow. he'll probably never be that person, you know? So it's always been a part of me yeah. and it's, um, you know, it's, that's the way it is. There's, there's something so magical about it. I mean, there's, there's really something to say about how things are passed down. Is it from generation? Is it in our DNA? Is it in our genetic sequence? It's like, why are kids uh, afraid of the dark? How do dogs know to lift up their leg to go pee, right? Like, how do these things happen? And so, like, for you and music, right, is it, uh, is it a past life? Is it something that was, you know, genetically passed down through through your lineage, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's something so magical uh, about that. And, you know, like for you, when you look back at your own story and, and you started creating music, when did that all come about? Um, well, I started like playing guitar. Um, uh, I think I was nine, nine, nine years old. Yeah. And... Um, I, that was a moment that that's one of those that now that's a flick of the switch moment. That's a flick of the switch moment. Yeah. Um, my mom, I, uh, I tell her this all the time. I, we talk about it at family gatherings and stuff. She was just, she's just, or well, she was the kind of lady that just for some reason would just give me random information. <laughs> just randomly like, you know, uh, but, uh, amazing lady she taught me uh how to cook how to clean um how to you know how to take care of myself yes you know we were latchkey kids back then we love you know, it to took care of my sister she showed me how to you know make things as in the kitchen and do my laundry and all those things but um this is the uh you know the the, the story i tell a lot um is one day she just goes hey come here i want to i want to show you something and she goes, sit down. And we sat down in front of the stereo. And she took out a record. Uh, it was called Chuck Berry's Golden Decade, Volume 1. And she put on the record and she gave me the gatefold album cover. And I'm sitting there listening to Chuck Berry. And I'll tell you, man, I opened up that gatefold. And I have the picture on my phone. I'll show you later. I finally found it. Um, that picture changed my life. That picture changed my life right there. And right then I looked at Chuck Berry. It's a picture of Chuck Berry in a two tone. It's black, uh, pink. I, at the time I thought it was pink lights, but, and he's just kind of got the microphone there playing his guitar, looking down at it, sweating. It's a live what shot. What album? Uh, Chuck Berry's golden decade. Can we pull that up real quick. Tyler? Chuck Berry's Golden Decade. Yeah, Volume One. Volume One. Yeah, you got to look get the inside. Uh, so see if you can find the inside uh, photo. Uh, but yeah, it changed my life. And I I looked at that. and I said I wanted I want to do what he's doing. I want to I wanted to actually be Chuck Berry. I want to be that guy. Really? Yeah, I want to be him. I don't want to play that music. I want to be him. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was like that. 
Yeah. It's that the pink. That the pink radio on the far left, upper far right. That's the album, and that's yeah. That right there. Yeah, but but it folds out to the full, like almost the full body or to the waist or something. But um. Wow. Wow. So that right there. Yeah, I just it was like seeing, you know, the face of God. I'm looking yes. at I'm looking at the physical uh, image of rock and roll. Yes. Yeah. And um, I from I, I want a guitar. I want a guitar. And they got me a fucking guitar. And um, and I started learning. Yeah. And prior to that, um, we had just moved to Laguna Nagal. It was 76. And the whole street was new. Um, uh, it was a brand new suburb. And there was nothing but hills around. It was not like it was now. And um, it was very almost country. So all these kids lived on the street with me and we were made new friends, you know? Yeah. And, uh, made this one friend, uh, he's my oldest friend. We're still friends today. He brought down a record and I can see it in my mind that, that, that moment we were in the middle of the street and we were on our skateboards. He went, go ran up to his house and came back and he brought down kiss destroyer, kiss destroyer. Yeah. Okay. And that was another flick of the switch. That was like, Oh my God, what is this? And I freaked out. I was all in, dude. Anything kiss I could get a hold of, my parents could buy me. I was in. I was all in. What was it? What was it? I mean, obviously kiss, like I, I get it, but for you, what was it? Well, I'll tell you, I think I think what it was was because um up to that point, we're looking at records in my mom's collection. Um uh, I'm looking at Elvis and Blood, Sweat, and Tears and Three Dog Night, you know, these kind of hippie bands. Yes. And um, uh, Elton John, things like that. Um, so when I saw that, that was the first time I seen a record cover look like that. Yes. And to find out that that is actually the band and they actually wear look like that and wear that on stage. Yes. Holy shit. <laughs> what? That's Elvis doesn't look like that. No, no. Chuck Berry doesn't look like that. Elton John certainly doesn't look, you know what I mean? So that was the that was the moment. So at that point, we got fake guitars and tinfoil for the costumes, and we would put on little concerts in our garage. Yes. Charge our neighbors to come watch us. Shut up. Yeah. And so uh yeah, and so we did that for a couple of years. I was like seven. And then so a couple of years later, then Chuck Berry came. And then from Chuck Berry, that's when it became real. Yeah. Then I started finding the Beatles, the Stones, uh, Muddy Waters, Howlin' Wolf, and it just exploded into all these discoveries. Yeah, yeah. So so, so you, 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 at this point, right, you're, you're playing music, right? Did it come naturally for you? Did you have to take lessons? It came pretty, pretty quick. I did, I, I, I. I got into it pretty, um, I mean, I was so in love with the guitar and music and the idea of rock and roll that um, I I practiced every day, every chance that I could. Yeah. And um, that same guy is the same band that we did the uh, Kiss you know, uh, concerts in the garage turned into a real band. And so we were doing... Um, 
we were doing covers. I was the lead guitar player and the singer and um, along with the other guys too. But yeah, so I, 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 I did take some lessons and um, I didn't like the schooling of it. Okay. I didn't like the structure of it. Yeah. Uh, maybe I was impatient. I don't know. I just wanted to play. Yeah. So we uh, quit those very quickly and just started playing. I started learning from my friends. One of the guys in the band was, um, he was like four or five years older, the brother of my, my, my buddy. And um, so he would learn stuff and then show us, here's an A minor chord, here's a G chord, and this is how the song goes. You know? Yeah. So then I just took off and every day before school, every day after school, until I got yelled at to, to, um, to get my ass to bed. Yes. You know, but again, my parents were very like, they let me do it. Crank my stereo. They, they were happy that I was playing music and they loved it. So they were never like, turn that shit off. You know, they're but, very supportive, very supportive, uber supportive. Yeah. Now, when you were doing this, I always have to ask the question, how was school for you? Did you, did you like school? Were you a good student? Hated it. Yeah. I hated school. Yeah. The only thing I liked about school was the social aspect of it. Yes. And that was it. I hated it. Um, I I was not good. I was not good at learning. I was terrible at, at those things. And, um, yeah, I didn't like it at all. You know, I remember when I was younger, right. Uh, going to school, I I hated it. Right. The only class I liked was history. I'm a history buff. still to this day. Right. But every other class, every other fucking class hated it. They said I had ADD. Right. And I look back, right. Listening to your story, my story. Right. How is it a kid that has ADD or fucking hate school, but then can go home and skateboard for 10 hours or pick up a guitar and practice every waking minute at it, right? Do every little thing at it. And so I look at it and it's like when they they say that these kids have ADD and I'm not saying that it's not not a real thing. I just think that there's a lot of kids out there that go to school and it's just, it's not their passion. It's not their calling, right? It doesn't mean that they're they're, they're bad kids by any sense of the name. It's just that they, whatever this thing is, right? It, it's just not for them. And that's okay because there's so many other avenues in life that can inspire these kids, right? And so for you, that's why I was like, I, I, I like to ask that question because it's like, well, school, maybe not. But for you, your education was that fucking guitar, and what you took from it, I'm sure it taught you so much about life that you take till this day. And that's made you who you are as an individual. Yeah, absolutely. I was the same way. I only like really liked history. Yeah. That was the only thing that seemed to interest me. And I remember thinking, um, why do I need to know all this? I got what, it. what is the point of all this? Yeah. And I still feel that way. I still think they're really not telling kids and showing kids what they really need to know. Absolutely. And now that I'm older, I see that, uh, in my opinion anyways, um, well, they just feed you what they want you to know. Of course. And what they think you should know. Absolutely. And they never tell you the whole story and they never tell the truth. Yeah. Um, about so much other things. Yes. You know, so, um, yeah, it's really just a bunch of bullshit. And, um, uh, 
but yeah, to your point, man, I think you're right. And I think a lot of people um, are, I don't know, I can't remember what's left brain or right brain, but it's very artistic. One side is artistic and, and, um, will you look that up? What side of your brain? Uh, I think it's right side. I don't know. What side of the brain comes uh, creative, right? Like, yeah. Uh, it's said that the creative uh, creativity is the product of the brain's right hemisphere. Right hemisphere. There you go. Okay. You were right. So, yeah. But, uh, yeah, you know, um, it's just one of those things where um, they want to keep you in a box. They want to do, do their job and tell you what they want to tell you and want you to know what they want you to know. Yeah. And they really never seem to appreciate um, art and um, things like that, like as a uh, form of learning and um, honestly, what the like validity. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, like- it, it's 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 so true. I mean, even history, man. It's always about. It always comes from the side of the victor, right? It's like that's where these stories come from. Um, yeah. But it, you know, it, and he's usually white. Yes, it's that is that is a fucking fact, um, but you know I, I think the the issue that we have I mean there's many issues with education but like uh, kids growing up what I what I appreciate appreciate about some like European cultures is they make them go to school until they're 16 right and then before they go to you know college or university right they have to pick a trade and they go they do that for two years right they go away. Um, and they stay at a place and they learn a, a skill, like an actual fucking skill. And then they go to university, right? There's something really magical and important, important about that. And like, you know, I know today, like a lot of schools around the country, right? Um, they're not teaching kids, you know, about, you know, finances. They're not teaching kids how to, you know, cook. They're not teaching kids how to make a house. Teaching kids like real world fucking skills. Yeah. It's like, you know... There's nothing wrong with algebra, right? Or these like, you know, higher level mathematics. But it's like once you're past sixth, seventh grade, man, you know, basic arithmetic, basic English, like these basic things, like unless you're going to become like a doctor or scientist, right? Like none of those things really do fucking matter, right? It's like these kids that are going to even college, like to to get like a, a social media marketing degree, learning from a teacher that fucking never controlled a, 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 you know, a major social media account and marketed for a major company, right? They're just learning from these pages of these books. And now this kid is spending $200,000 for this bullshit fucking thing where they could learn 99.9% of it on the fucking internet man mm-hmm. that is why now even google right before it was like you needed a four-year degree but now what do they do they offer a six-month course right that you can take and that's all you would need if you wanted to get a job at you know some of these places like a fucking google right um so i i, I don't know yeah the education system um in america and, and a lot of places is definitely fucked up and they do want to put us in these little boxes but you know, for you, right? You you had music. Um, when you look back at your story, what was uh, your first band? Uh, my first band was the one I mentioned. We started playing. What were they called? Uh, we were called the Riders. Why? With a Y. Ooh. I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> they just. Um, I think the like I said, the older brother's name was Mike. He came up with the name, and we're just like, yeah, that sounds cool. It sounds yeah. rock and roll. We're the Riders, you know. But we didn't have any knowledge of like. Um, certain bands that existed before, like Mitch, uh, what's his name? Is uh, I just had it on my tip of my, head, my tongue. Um, 
Mitch something in the writers was already yeah. banned. The writers were already banned, but um, um, yeah, we just called ourselves the writers and we played covers. Um, and we played a lot of Beatles, a lot of Stones, um, some Ozzy. There we go. Some Blue Oyster Cult, Kinks, things like that. Nice. Yeah, it was fun. And so you, you and your friends, how long were you guys together for doing this? Uh, that lasted uh, till I was about twelve or thirteen. Okay. Yeah, and then I, I moved down the street, and which might have as well been another state. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. And so then uh, we started getting uh, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. We started growing apart, and I moved off that, like I said, off that street. So. Um, I still played music, formed another band with, uh, uh, we moved into this new house and I heard drums coming from the garage. Boom, let's go. I started a band. And then at that point I'm, I'm 14 and hanging out with 20, 18 and 21 year olds. There we go. <laughs> Sounds like my story. And, uh, yeah. So then we started smoking and drinking and then the real rock and roll came in, you know? Yeah. 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 I mean, dude, you, you I, I, I see your face. Your face like lights up, right? <laughs> like you don't when you're when you're 14, 15, 16 years old, you you don't realize how impactful those years will be. And when you look back as an adult, especially if you had good times, right? Yeah. Good moments, right? I mean, obviously there are some kids that, you know, have you know, ter- terrible moments, right? But like, you know, for me, like 14, 15, 16, right? I was hanging out with like 18, 19, 20-year-olds going to fucking raves and punk shows and just fucking, you know, playing music and skateboarding, just like the time of my fucking life, you know? And, and those moments, you you don't realize how truly amazing they are, yeah. right? Um, so your, your, your second band, right, um, was this like had you started like writing your own songs yet, or yeah, I started. We started writing our own songs and like in that band before the writers. Okay, the writers. We started writing a couple tunes here and there. Okay, and then yeah, and then it started uh, getting into other bands. Um, uh, started writing, writing some songs. Terrible songs. <laughs> terrible. I think I have an old cassette tape. Up really, it so embarrassing. Okay, but uh, yeah, we wrote our own songs. All right. We had a song called "Rock and Roll Bandit." Okay. <laughs> okay. Had a song called Rain, and I don't know. Just yeah, we started writing our own stuff. All right. Yeah. And uh, and um, it was fun, you know. Like I said, I was hanging out with older kids, yeah. drinking beer, smoking cigarettes, and pot, and um, got all introduced to a whole new lifestyle, you know. Yes. Yeah. So, and um, and my mom had um, my mom and dad had divorced divorced. And she met a new guy, and he had a son um, who's like a year older than me, like just slightly older than me. And um, so I got kicked out of two high schools. Now I'm in now I'm in ninth grade. Yeah, and I don't want to be there. Yeah. So um, I'm getting kicked out of one school. Got kicked out of another school. Um, I miss my mom because now I'm living with my dad. She's up in Huntington Beach. So. Um, uh, I moved up there and, um, lo and behold, my brother, you know, he's a punk rocker. Let's go. And so he didn't like school either. So we ditched <laughs> together. And, um, but I remember going into his room, um, we had three rooms in a row. It was my sister's room then my room then his room. 
And when he was gone, which he was always gone, you know, off fucking around, you know. Yeah. And I remember going into his room and going through his record collection. <laughs> Holy shit. Another flick of the switch. Let's go. What is this? Crass? GBH? Yes. Social distortion? The Sex Pistols? Yes. I mean, exploited. Um, the Clash, Toy Dolls. Everybody and anybody you can think of. And I was like, oh, my God. You know, again, the album covers drew me in. And so um, I I go, hey, man, I went in your room. What are, we, what are these albums? He's like, check it out. I was like, what? Oh, my God. And he was full on punk, you know. Yes. Had a mohawk, had the leather jackets with the studs. Yes. Anarchy shirts and ripped jeans and uh, boots, you yes. know, the Doc Martens and all that stuff. So I was like, dude, this is rad. Yes. And so I, you know, I was influenced by that too. I started listening to his records and, and uh, along with the ones I had. So I'm going from the Beatles to the Toy Dolls to, you know, GBH and then, you know, like Joni Mitchell or some shit like that. Dude, you know? I you know, love it's all it. good. I love it. I love it, man. Yeah, I remember in that age, dude, Sid Vicious was just, dude, I had the fucking Liberty Spikes. <laughs> ah, bro, it was fucking awesome. And, and you keep on saying, like, looking at the album covers, like, I remember, you know, you'd get these fucking albums and you would just look at them for hours, every little part of it, read every single fucking anything on it for just an hour, right? I loved going to record stores and just spend so much time there. And just that tangible aspect that unfortunately you don't get today. I mean, it's amazing that you can just pick up your phone over the fucking air. You get any song in the entire world, right? But that the, the tangible aspect of, of a record, of a, a cassette, even a CD, whatever it was, right? But for me, it was like vinyl records. I remember like going through my father's and then, you know, I started DJing. I'd get, you know, I'd just get crates of fucking records and just spending so much time and going down to Amoeba or your local record store. Like it was just so amazing. And, and unfortunately that, you know, they, they don't have that today. Yes, it is amazing that we can get it through the air, right? That's really fucking cool. But the the tangible aspect that it is unfortunate that that is that is gone. Um, you know, so then you get you get influenced by your brother, right? Did that start to change your style of music? Um, yeah, I mean, it started. Um, you know, I, I didn't see that much of a difference between uh, punk and rock and roll yeah. um i could immediately i saw the the thread the common thread the yes. common the common angst the common you know vibe of it all um but uh yeah i started you know started listening more buying my own records and by the way side note to that um when you had ephraim in here yeah um i watched the episode i was so excited and um you gotta watch you guys talking in here and see him sitting right here yeah. telling about when it, what it was like to be a kid, yes. at, you know, riding bikes and skateboards and how you just would pick up the phone and be like, hey, is Johnny there? No, he's not here. Okay, cool. And that's it was just such a, it goes along with the record thing you're talking about yes. right now. You know, just looking at the records, discovering music, your friends going, check this out, you know, and you're yes. being in the record store going flip, flip, flip. Oh, what? You know, what a great time. 
boy, I was watching that with like my cheeks hurt from smiling so yes. much watching you guys talk about yeah. that. It was so cool. Yeah. But um, yeah. So then I started um, cor- yeah, I was co- incorporating that into my guitar playing, and it showed me um, a different side of lyrics. You know, um, he had from the floor to the ceiling on every wall posters. Yeah. Flyers. The flyers. And um, it was so badass. And um, he ran away from home. And he I don't think he was going to stay long. He just couldn't take it, you know, because my mom was, you know, bitching at him and stuff. So step, stepmom now. Um, so she tore all the, all the flyers off the wall and threw them away. Oh. <laughs> and he came back, he ran away to San Francisco and he came back and there's just little corners, <laughs> staples and corners, uh, paper corners, you know? And I was like, dude, I, I knew he was going to freak out and he just lost his shit. But, um, can, uh, you know, point being is like, can you imagine having all those still today? I know some dude. people must, but yeah. Um, so yeah. It's priceless, man. Yeah. It's, it's fucking priceless. I have a buddy in um, uh, Klamath Falls, Oregon. Um, his name's Chewy. And um, I went up to his house one day. Uh, we were on tour. And um, he would host bands that came through. And um, he has a bunch of the same uh, flyers that my brother had. But yeah. different, same. Uh, some of them were the same. Um, some of them, because he lived in San Diego, were different venues. But um, but I got him to make copies for me. That's what gave him to my brother first. No way! Yeah, like, dude, check it out. And so I got him a, at least all his most of his flyers back or a lot of them back. Dude, cool. he must have loved it. He was stoked. Yeah, loved he, it. He picked like uh, I don't know, like I don't know, six of them and put them in a big frame in his house and stuff. That's cool. so awesome, man. But um, yeah, that that uh, made its way into my music, man. Yeah. Still does. Yeah, still does. I, absolutely. I was I was telling Tyler a story the other day of like how how my room was set up as a kid, and um, you talk about like the flyers, dude. Seriously, from the bottom all the way to the top of the walls, every single fucking square inch, it was fucking flyer after flyer after flyer. And then on my ceiling, I would hang these like tapestries, and and the and it was just just the entire ceiling, right? And then um, the way I did it was I had this fan in my room and I would drape it low so that when you would turn on the fan, right, we'd get all stoned in my room because I didn't have a bed. I just had a couch, right? And uh, we'd get all fucking high and it would kind of like breathe. <laughs> we'd just like trip out on it. But like I, I look at some of the pictures of me like as a kid in my fucking room, man, it was just like flyers fucking everywhere, dude. And it, oh, man, it's just like, uh, it's so nostalgic, right? And so, you know, when music is such a big part of your life right like you look back as uh, yourself as like a kid and you know like you're you when you start to like create your own space it's like your own bubble and it's kind of like even like today right like this is this is like my sanctuary right like the world could be fucking crashing right now but like if i come into this room right the studio like my man cave if you will like it's just like it, it takes me to another place right you know back then it was flyers today it's you know shepherd fairy obey paintings right it's <laughs> just different but you know same story um so you know uh you you you're your ninth grade right uh you're in your second band right what happens next um and then i'm not in a band anymore we we, we kind of broke up um because again i moved that 
that band that I talked about, um, I don't, even, I can't remember our name of the band, but um, I, like I said, I got kicked out and moved up to Huntington Beach with my mom. So now all my bandmates and my friends are gone. Um, my mom, God bless her heart, you know, she would take me down there every weekend to wow. be with my friends. Wow. You know, and so, but that got old. And I got met a girl, and so now I'm in high school, and and I'm not really playing. I'm just playing acoustic guitar and just listening to music, and and um, and so yeah. And then after after that, going into into um, out of high school and going into like a junior college, which of course I didn't was there for the social aspect. I don't Absolutely. think I ever went to classes. I ended up just playing guitar <laughs> in the lawn, OCC, and um. And I got, we got into another band. You know, yeah. We started another band. And my friend told me it was interesting. He goes, dude, you always start your own bands and you head up your own bands. You don't know what it's like to audition. And because he was going out on auditions. I'm like, dude, that sucks. You know, <laughs> and uh, how did it go? And he tell me all these stories, you know, uh, about bands he'd auditioned for. And I was like, oh, you know, singer was an asshole. Guitar player was cool, whatever. And I go, yeah, that's true. I always just start start my own shit you know yeah so but yeah i just always been playing music and started and started up another band that fizzled out start another one start another one always you just kept on pushing what do you think that is about you right because your friend is trying out for bands but you're starting your own like um like this is not any disrespect to to your friend but in life there are leaders and there's followers right no. not saying that your friend's a follower don't know him right no. yeah he is <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah. you said it yeah. um it, it does take a certain type of person to say okay i'm going to fucking put this shit together yeah. like where do you get that from i i don't know just i does my love of music and wanting to keep pursuing keep pushing keep um growing and you know i would could never i don't like waiting on people when it especially when it comes to music i don't like waiting on people i want let's go yeah let's go let's go let's go and um so i think that's um i think well to your point i've always been a leader yeah. and not in an egotistical no. way or conceited way i just know what i want i know what i want to do and i don't wait for anyone to do it for me yes um, and there was a time when I was trying to get on festivals and, and sending out emails and letters and all these things. And I'm like, not getting the response I want to, oh, fuck it. I'll put together my own festival. So I did, you know, it was, it was called damn to suburbia and, um, just got my friend's bands and we sold ticket, you know, it's just like DIY stuff. And yes. that's where the punk, you know, thing came in too, is taught me a lot about the DIY. Yes. You start putting on your own shows. Yes. You know? You commandeer somebody's garage or or um, a backyard, or you just do it yourself. Yeah. And and that that the punk, um, uh, you know, culture gave me gave me that, yeah. and it stuck. Yes. And I'm still DIYing it today. You yes. Know? Yes. So, yes. I mean, like I said earlier, right? Like you know, people go to school and learn all this stuff, but like you know, look all these things that you have learned through your life from music, right? And what it's made you as an individual how it's made you as an individual right like um you know there are a lot of parents out there you got to do this 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 and this and it's just like you know if you did not have you know your your mom that gave you that let you have the opportunity of you know doing music and you know even like taking you on the weekends to your friends and like doing those things like what type of person would you be today right yeah. 
Like it's 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 so important. You know, I'm I'm not a parent yet, but like when I have a kid, like I want to be able to to be there for them to help support them follow their dreams and what they want to do not like you got to do this and if you don't fucking do this you're not going to do this right it's just like i think so many people you know as parents do get stuck uh, like this one-sided mentality and we want to be able to foster the younger generation to be able to you know find their own lane and find their own path well that's you know to i don't know how you'd say it uh, you know that's um to the detriment of tradition I mean, that's how America has been. It's like, you know, you grow up, you go to school, you get married, you get yourself a wife and a couple of kids and you work from, you know, you slave from here to here, yep. you pay your taxes and you fucking die. Yes. And hopefully everyone's at your funeral. I mean, I just, that is shoved down our fucking throats yes. still to this day. Yep. And finally, I think people are starting to kind of be like, no. Yep. Not gonna do that yes. you know i'll figure it out and um you're right you know um i was te just terrible at math i was scared of math yeah i didn't understand it i still think that i have some kind of like um maybe um dyslexia or some kind of problem with it yeah. um i just was not good at it at all i just but uh to your point uh about music when it came time to sell CDs and T-shirts, I got really. Uh, I was like, "Whoa! I kind of know how to give change and stuff now, and I don't have to think about it as much." It's like, you know, um, as I started doing it and selling shirts and selling CDs and stickers, the prices started, you know, ringing in my head, and it, I became good at that aspect of it. Yes, you know, what, how much you change you need. Yep, it was really bad, like I said. So. Um, you know, uh, that's it's uh, it just teaches you so much music. It's it's uh, dude, it's magic. It's it the, as Tom Petty said, it's the only real magic I think in the world. I believe it. Um, it's a it's a universal language. You can go to any country and yes. relate to somebody you've never spoken to. You can't speak a lick of their language, and they can't speak a lick of yours. But you could bond through music. A hundred percent. Just by hundred percent. You know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you yes know? and all of a sudden you have a best friend you know it's so true and what you just said right about you know music and change it, it just made me think right my, my little sister right she um she is dyslexic right um and, and she's had her own issues right but when it comes to automotive right and and um she's like a like a like a like a mechanic right uh if you will and she has an issue saying like some big words, right? But when it comes to cars, she'll talk about the, the carburetor and the engine and this blah, 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 things that I have no idea what the fuck she's talking about, but she's putting all of these words together, totally making sense, right? It's because it's something that she is passionate about and that she cares about. Does that make her dumb? Fuck no. It's just, you know, we all have our own issues, right? But there's something that turns on inside our brain when we have this pure, unfiltered love for this one thing that can ignite it, right? It is, it's magic. And it's like the same thing with music for you, right? Yeah. So, you know, 
going to junior college now. We're going to bring it back to your story. We're going to junior college. Um, you're still pushing music, right? You're still trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. At what point did the pieces of the puzzle start to come together? Um, that kind of... Uh, so uh, around 90, 93, I started a whole new band. I got a whole new vibe, right? And I'm really into blues and soul music. As I said, Chuck Berry and from the get-go at nine years old or whatever it was. Um, so I, I liked it, but now I'm discovering other R&B art, artists and uh, soul music and blues, and I'm really diving into that more. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I just started putting together a band with my oldest friend who brought me the Kiss record on bass. Yep. And um, we started a band, and um, we started focusing in on our look, on our sound, really just breaking down songs, breaking down parts. Um, we wanted to play as authentically as we could, um, matching that Southern soul music of like Otis Redding, Aretha Franklin, yeah. Wilson Pickett, you know, these these artists like that, amazing artists like that. So, um, yeah, and that's when it really started like a whole new uh, level, a whole new level. Just We leveled up, man. And um, we're putting on warehouse parties. We are playing uh, opening shows for bigger artists. We're playing venues. We're selling merch. Um, so now we're doing that kind of stuff. What's this band called? Oh, that band was called Barrel House. Okay. Barrel House. And um, and uh, that lasted for like four or five years. And uh, we got a lot of good press. Um, a lot of people liked it because we were true to the music that we were, uh, even though we were writing our own songs, we were playing true to that style. Yeah, you know, in, in our own way, and um, and that still kind of um, mixing a little bit of genres in there too. So as we grew, and then um, you know, I just kind of you know, guys got older and they had to move and wives and kids or what whatever it was. So that disbanded and. Um, and so, time to start a new band, bro. Right, right back at it. Right back at it. <laughs> yeah, right back at it. But that was the first one that really, like, we got in the papers. Uh, there was a mag. There was a well, you know the uh, L.A. Weekly, of course. There was one called the O.C. Weekly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, they named us. Uh, they did a, a issue called the best or top one hundred and eighty six bands of all time. And so you're flipping through there. You're going, no doubt, sublime, social distortion, you know, all these uh, barrel house. They put us in there. And that was like a really cool, you know, wow, dude, that's really cool. Um, We just got a lot of uh, critics that really liked us, music critics, you know. Yeah. Um, The LA Times and the OC Register and all these um, people really liked what we were doing. Because nobody was doing it at the time. You know, everybody's like a soul singer now. Everyone's an R&B singer now. Yes. We didn't have that. There was maybe a small handful yeah. of, of cross country, yes. you know, that, I, that were, you know, doing what we wanted to do and, and making it happen. Well, that wasn't the, the, the popular genre of music at that point. No. Uh, we're, we're talking about grunge. Of course. We're talking about the post-grunge stuff like, uh, you know, like I said, No Doubt, Sugar Ray, Smash Mouth. Yeah. Um, Limp Biscuit, Corn. Yep. 
Uh, funny thing about corn though, you know, living where I do, where I, and where I have this, is all of these little cool little run-ins that I've had and cool little things with people um, from bigger bands. Yeah, you know, um, seeing seeing Sublime in a in a little tiny restaurant. Shut you know, um, shut up. Corn would play at the same venue we would. In fact, they were. Um, I don't know which which members, but a couple of them lived in. And in the same apartment complex as me. Oh, you're in a band? Yeah, I'm in a band. What, what band are you in? Oh, we're called Corn. Oh, what's your band? Barrel House. Oh, okay, cool, man. You know, wow. that kind of stuff. Um, really cool little things like that from the Orange County scene back in the day, you know, when it yeah. was coming up. So, but, uh, yeah. Did you did you ever see Sublime perform? I did, yeah. I, I, I had... Um, I like that we had a warehouse party and I met this girl and she was from San Diego. Yeah. Remember I was telling you about the like six foot bong. Yep. Yeah. Well, that, that chick, the six <laughs> foot bong. Um, so uh, I go, that, that girl lived down in San Diego. Let's go down there. And so um, I knew she was going to be at the show. Totally like, you know, you know, found her and I'm like, Hey, we're down here. We're just going to sleep in our car. You know? And she's like, no, you can stay on my pad. Anyways. Um, she goes, hey, we're going to go. Do you want to go with us tonight? We're going to go see this band. At, at, I think the um, the venue was called Beach Boys because I love the Beach Boys. I think that's what it was called. Um, and she goes, um, we're going to see this band Sublime at Beach Boys. In Ocean, I think it was Ocean Beach or Mission Beach or something like that. So we went down there, drunk off my ass, stoned, you know, trying to get this girl to, like, notice me yeah. and, be, and, like, like me. <laughs> and... Um, yeah, dude. There was like maybe 15, 20 Shut people there. Up, dude. They were moving <laughs> tables. It was it was like this restaurant bar. And the bar, you know, you walk in and then there's a restaurant and then the bar's in the same room. So um yeah. And there they are. And I didn't give a shit who that I didn't they weren't anybody at that yeah. point. They were just sublime, yeah. you know. And I just remember being and my chair is stoned, drinking beers and looking at people dancing. And I could still see it in my mind. But yeah. Wow. And then one time, years later, um, there was a, a place in Long Beach where I was record, had been, been recording. And across the hall was a mastering um, facility for mastering records. And, um, and I was sitting there. The, guy, the engineer from my studio where I was recording came out and goes, hey, man. I'm still with this project. You can just chill out here in the in the lobby for a minute. I go, yeah. So I'm chilling out there, and here comes this Dalmatian dog up the stairs, and he comes over me and he kind of jumps on me. I'm like, hey, what's up, buddy? You know, because you know I love dogs. You know, Lou Dog, Lou Dog, and, and I'm like, hey, what's up, buddy? And here comes Eric and and Bud and a couple other people, and I mean, I could smell them before I could see them. I smelled that that smell, baby. Yes. You know, we were talking about that yes. smell. Yes. Uh, I was like, I got a contact high just off the smell, <laughs> dude. So uh, they came up the stairs and they're like, hey, man, how's it going? Sorry about that. I'm like, no, nah, he's cool, man. That's all. He's petting him on my lap and shit. And, um, and they're like, uh, are you recording here? I said, yeah, yeah, I'm just waiting. And they're like, oh, we're mastering our record, which ended up being... Um, the record they mastered there was, uh, I think it was called Secondhand Smoke. Yeah. Yeah, that one. And so they're like, all right, man, have a good session. I'm like, yeah, thanks, man. You guys too. Cool. Oh, fuck. That's my way, little, dude. you know, run-ins over there. Dude, that's that's amazing, man. So, sublime for me. 
That's the band. Like really? that's the band that turned me on to fucking music, dude. Wow. I, I just I remember being ten years old and I was in my brother's truck. And my brother's six years older than me, so he's sixteen. And it was a tape player, right? And uh I'm sitting in the back of his truck and he was playing this music. And I just it was like the first time that like music like just I was like, what the fuck is this? Right. And it just was like, and I, I would ask my brother, I was like, Justin, who is this? And he's like, it's, it's a band called sublime <clears throat> little dickhead brother that I am. Right. Um, my brother, he was going back home to his mom's cause we're, we're half brothers, but we're fucking brothers. Right. And he gets, he gets out of the car, does whatever, whatever he has to do. I fucking eject the tape and I put it in my pocket, dude. He, he was so fucking mad. He was so mad at me. And it was just like a, it was like a, like a, like, no, it was, but it was like, they don't call it burned, but it was like, it was like a recorded cassette. Right. Um, so like a burned cassette, if you will, but it was just like, and it was just fucking nonstop. And anytime he'd ask me where it was, I lost it. Yeah. I wish I still had it to this fucking I was day, ask man. You if you still nah, had it. dude. I, I wish I did. I wish I did. Yeah. Fuck, man. It's so good though. But yeah, yeah like I, I always say, if there's that one band, like if I could only listen to one band for the rest of my life, mm. it'd be Sublime. Yeah, it would be fucking Sublime. That's awesome. Yeah, man. It was just yeah, just so much to me. So like really cool. I love hearing stories of individuals that, um, uh, you know. Just had run-ins with you know Sublime. Actually, his uncle uh, went to Sublime's Bradley's uh, their last ever concert before he passed away. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah Uncle Dang, Sean. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's cool. It was cool. It was a cool time um, in that period of time in the '90s because, like, like I said, all these bands were um, they weren't they were maybe were just starting to get popular within our community. Fuck yeah. But um I'm surprised we didn't have more run-ins with um bands like that. There's little things, but um uh we wouldn't have played maybe with those bands cuz we like I said we were a soul band. Yeah. But there's a picture but we all played the same uh venues. For sure. There was a place called um it was called Night Moves and then they changed it to Club 569. Okay. And uh I think it's a fitness place now, but uh, um we would play there all the time. Sublime would play there. Corn would play there, and uh, there's a photo of my the guitar player and bass player, you know, looking at each other jamming. And there's a a pole in the back, and on the pole there's a flyer for the next show coming up, and it says Corn on it. Corn, bitch, funky, sex machine, and maybe one other. That's band. so crazy, so, man. Yeah. And I remember uh, like just a, like local bands, yeah. like just like about to be on the. You know, yeah. it's just so crazy, man. You know, for for you, dude. Like, okay, so you're 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 you bear house four or five years, right? What what's next? Um, so by that time, I wanted to do something new and something different. So I started a band called uh, Thrill Deluxe. Okay, and it was still kind of a more like kind of a classic rock vibe. And um, my I had made friends with my girlfriend's uh, brother and his friends, and and they were rappers. Okay. So they would come in and rap on some stuff, but rap rock had already is just left, you know, it was on its way out. So yeah. we weren't doing rap rock. We were doing rock, but had a couple songs, a couple they tracks. Would come and, yeah. Yeah. But they would come and do stuff, but, um, that didn't last very long. And then I started, um, just started doing my own thing. I started, uh, I wanted to do something more rootsy. So, um, that band, 
didn't last very long, a couple of years. And then I started doing a band called the, the Bastard Winos. Okay. And I just wanted to jam. So I sang a little bit, but my, um, my sister's, uh, my sister's husband was a lead singer. And so we were doing more rootsy rock, rock, rock and roll stuff. Okay. And so, uh, that was really fun yeah. and, um, kind of punk rock and roll. You know, okay. Rock and roll with a little bit of punk to it, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. uh, there's more edgy, you know. And um, we played a couple punk shows, and um, this would play all over. But again, um, I just grow tired of things after a few years. Yeah. So then I started. That's when I broke away and just started Harlow Sweetwater Band. Yeah. And um, I started doing that, and that's when I really started like taking off. Yes. And, and and raising it to now another level. And um and started um touring and getting little shows just outside like San Luis Obispo or you know little Arizona things like that just little places. And in 2014 I'm like that this is now I need to level up even more. And I bought a van. I bought a van for 11 11 thousand dollars okay in elsinore or somewhere like that and i still have that van we still use it that's the tour van and that's when things started now i'm touring now we're getting in a van packing it up and getting out on the road wow. we're selling merch we're playing little dive bars we're playing everything from dive bars to to festivals and it's now more natural for me. it's like blues rock and roll yes and so that blues soul rock and roll and yes. then yeah and it started growing and and um but and just yeah so just bring up the speed and then after that um there's some some stuff happened on the road man and it was just a bad scene you know and um and i was starting to get real um I want to say you can put any word in here, disillusioned, annoyed, frustrated with the blues scene. Because, again, I love the blues. I'm, I feel like blues and rock and roll are at, and soul music are really my foundation. Yeah. But I also like the Sex Pistols and the Descendants yes. and Dead Kennedys and Chuck Berry. So I'm finding that with a lot of the blues stuff I'm doing, starting to hear these kind of little comments about you're too heavy too too you're not blues really you're not this you're not that and they're right and i just can't stick to one genre i like all music i like so much music and so now within i think it was uh 2019 or something had kind of just a mental emotional breakdown with music and just being disillusioned about playing blues. Um, so that brings you up to speed where I am now, where I just, my thing is, uh, I'll just play whatever the fuck I want. Yeah. I want my freedom. Yes. And and no one's taken that freedom away from me, but in that blues community, it's, you know, uh, we started to just not belong because I want to start doing, if I want to play like a little reggae vibe, uh, I should be able to. Yes. But you can't do that within a community like that. You know, there's just this kind of um, very, you know, they like things a certain way. Yeah. And that's cool. You know, I, I, I'm all for keeping tradition alive, but nothing can grow if you can try to contain it. No. 
No, not at all. I don't I don't understand why, you know, fans or people, just individuals in, in general, like you, you gotta stay in this box. And if you fucking take one inch outside of this box, it's not gonna work anymore. It's like, dude, it's fucking music. It's literally music. Like, I mean, I, I think of a band like Lincoln Park, right? Like just this genre, that genre, bringing it to fucking together, you know, the rap rock, right? Like all these different fucking, you know, different types of bands. I mean, Sublime and all their different, you know, levels of music, your music, like all these different types of genres. Like what is wrong with that, right? Like if you enjoy this individual and their music, right? If they don't follow the line, right? Like why not appreciate it? Maybe you might not like those songs, but that's okay, Right. But still, you want individuals and musicians to be able to grow and blossom and and try new things. Right. Because if you stay in this one lane forever. Right. Um, You might make these people happy, but, you know, your your self-expression and your creativity is never going to. Uh, you know, fully find itself. Like, and I, and I think as people, we need to be able to grow and try different things. Yeah. And so now that you're in control of all of it, right? And like you, you have been, but it's like, it's your shit now. Do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I'll tell you, man. It's it's to my own fault that that I got into that. Um, with my own fault that I got into that predicament. Um, I was making progress, but um. At some point, uh, you start trying to to please other people instead of being true to yourself. That's an age old, you know, story, yeah. right? Yes. Um, I just can't be uh, contained, and that's why I've had so many bands, and that's why I've been able to grow because I can't be contained, and now I refuse to be contained, and and that's an uphill battle too because of the way that people have. Um, pave that road in a way it's like pushing a, a fucking boulder uphill man yeah um uh because the record companies throughout history have told us this is what you are we want you to listen to just like school just like school the radio stations are here's what we want you to listen to yep this is popular this is going to make us money here's what you're going to maybe have a little show on sunday nights when no one else is listening to dedicate to this that or the other um that, that's out of the box but um for the most part, it just reminds me of school. And, you know, I just wasn't, uh, you know, that's why, what, going back to Sublime, that's what made Sublime so badass. Fuck yes. No, to my knowledge, um, no one had done that before. But here's the thing about um, Sublime and, and what they did. So <laughs> it's just amazing band, right? Yeah. I mean, they would literally go from a punk vibe stop and go into a reggae vibe to a hip hop vibe and then throw an old school, you know, old. Yes. And it, but here's the thing you never, it never sounds funky or weird because they do it their way. Yes. It's a sublime style. That's their way. Yeah. So, um, and I guess the point I'm trying to make is like, that's the same with me. If I'm going to do a reggae song, I'm not going to try to pass it off as you know, I'm trying to be Peter Tosh or Bob Marley. Yeah. I'm going to do it. It's going to sound like me. It's going to feel like me. It's yes. just going to have that kind of, you know, kind of vibe to it. I'm not going to start singing in a Jamaican accent to yeah. make it more believable. <laughs> and, and it's, so it's real. Sublime gave it to us and they gave it to us 
their way and it was real. 100%. And that's what makes makes it so badass. Yes. So I just want to be able to play what I want to play and and uh, sing what I want to sing. And if I want to play more of a punk vibe, I'm going to do it. If I want to do reggae or blues, I'm going to do slow blues and then hit a you know fast punk rock, rock and roll souped up you know little little richard style song i'm yeah. gonna do it fuck yeah so but it's it's a challenge dude it's i i don't challenge. i don't doubt it man you know it, like love or hate machine gun kelly right yeah this kid right was doing rap for all those years right and what does he do he switches it up and starts to create a different genre of music that people didn't like right or that that he wasn't known for right and then he fucking blew up right and it's just like i, I look at musicians right that pigeonhole themselves and never step out of their comfort zone and try to appease these individuals right instead of just following what's ever true to them right you're never going to know what's what happens until you fucking try right and i think that you know more individuals regardless if it's music or not try new things life is a blink of a fucking eye man and it's just like you need to get yourself out of your comfort zone. You need to be, you know, doing things that inspire you and fulfill your soul, man. It's just like if if we just follow this tightrope for our entire life, which so many people do, you're never going to know what else is out there. Mm-hmm. Well said, man. Right. 100. Uh, 100%. I mean, who wants to paint with like two colors? Exactly. You know, use the whole fucking palette, man. Absolutely. See what you can do, man. Absolutely. It's so funny that you say that because uh, you know those places where um, it's like you you go and you drink wine and they teach you how to like paint. Have you ever heard of those places? Yes. Right? My, my my wife hates taking me because every there'll be twenty people in the room, right? So I'm say I'm number twenty, right? Nineteen of them. We'll follow along and paint exactly what they're doing. And me, it'll be a completely different fucking painting because I just can't do it. I can't. I cannot do it. I have to be able to just do my own shit because if if not, then I I just, I go fucking crazy. Yeah. I go fucking crazy. So 2019, right? You're branching out. You're doing other shit. Pandemic hits. Yeah. What's going through your mind, man? Ah, this is a drag, you know, just a drag. I mean, I was kind of coming, not playing as many shows because I was going through this kind of just emotional, what am I doing kind of, you know, bullshit. But um, so um, I didn't do what everyone else did. Um, I'm just not that that kind of guy. Um, If, you know, I imagine you're the same. Yes. Little I know about you. If everyone, you know, is wearing a red shirt, I'll give me the green one. Give me the blue one, you know. So, um. Yeah, I just, you know, everybody was doing these um, living room concerts yeah. and streams and this, that, and the other. And you're going to do one. You should do one. I'm like, nah, it's, if everyone's doing it, I'm not going to do it. I get it. I'll wait. Yep. Uh, this will be over. You know, yep. we'll go back to normal. I already knew it. Of course. You know, I'll just sit this one out until then. Um, then at that point, uh, I was just me and my guitar, right? So now I'm starting to write more songs and write more lyrics and come up with riffs and and i'm still um doing music i still had music that i um i was recording we'd go into the studio and wear masks and yeah it's still i was still doing music i just wasn't doing live shows and i so um i think that's maybe when i started doing more of the instagram 
guitar stuff. I think, yes. Maybe. And then it started kind of taking off. But uh, yeah, so that's what ha- that's what I did during the pandemic. So how much has social media helped you out? Well, you know, like anybody will tell you, it's a double-edged sword, you know, and, you know, kind of just what I told you. I, uh, For some reason, I started doing, um, at one point, I started doing just acoustic guitar stuff on yeah. my social media. And people were freaking out. They like, really liked it, which I thought, oh, cool. But then I'm like, I'm getting too, that's not my thing. I'm a rock and roller. I'm a punk rocker. I, I plug in and people are like, digging the mellow stuff the acoustic rock and roll so that scares me so then i switch back to the electric guitar but um it my um to answer your question it started um growing it started growing my instagram started growing through the guitar stuff yeah that's how Uh, i found you yeah yeah and um i just started using it and um i started kind of just giving um I found a, got into a place of positivity. I found some really cool, uh, what would you call it? Like, um, no, like not not religion, but just uh, a new way of thinking. Spirituality. Yeah, like a new spiritual thing. Yeah, I, I discovered um, the works of Neville Goddard. Neville Goddard. Yeah, Can we pull that up, Tyler. Neville Goddard. Neville Goddard. Never. Heard. I I discovered his um, works and. Talk about a, a light switch. Really? Yeah, another light switch moment now. Let's check it out. Yeah. Neville Goddard. Let's see. Uh, what is the philosophy? Neville Goddard's main philosophy was that imagination creates reality. He taught that whatever you imagine with feeling, no matter how big or small, will be reflected in the world around you. Holy shit. When was, this, when, when was he around? Um, he was around in the 30s, and I think he died in the early 70s. Yeah, 1905 to 1972. There yeah. was his Wikipedia. Go back real quick, Tyler. Let me see this. Click on his Wikipedia real quick. I just want to read a little bit about it. So Goddard was born in Barba- oh, really? Barbados, uh, 1905. Joseph, Nathaniel, uh, and oh, that's his parents. Uh, they immigrated to New York, 1931. He became, began to study under Ethiopian rabbi named... Abula was introduced to him to the Kabbalah in 1942 at the age of 38, was drafted in the army. So his career, he was a dancer and to some extent an actor. He states, in consciousness is the only reality. For 10 years, I was a dancer, danced in Broadway shows and nightclubs, Europe, the early 50s. So so what, what was he, an author? Uh, yeah, he wrote, he, uh, he wrote books, yeah. 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 And so how did you come across him? Um... I like I said, I was down in the dumps basically. Yeah, just being a little bitch, and uh, <laughs> uh, you guys don't like my music. <laughs> uh, no, but um, I was probably just thumbing, looking for positivity. You know how to how to how to be positive or something like that because I was yeah. in a bad spot, and um, um, uh, I saw this law of attraction thing, and then yes, and I. And uh, started looking into that, and I was like, oh, you know. And then uh, that led, you know, the rabbit hole, YouTube yes. rabbit hole. Yes. Got into, found his stuff, and I was like, ah, okay, this sounds more like it. Yes. Um, I never, you know, I never could quite uh, get behind religion, yeah. or Christianity. I just, I just didn't, I was, I would, I could be faithful and, and say like, okay, I, I can run on faith. Yes. Yeah, maybe Jesus Christ and died for our sins and all these things. It sounds pretty cool. It sounds good. 
And okay, but it didn't resonate. I just kind of, to be honest, I just kind of did it just to, in case it came down to it and yes. I wanted to get in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, when I came across the works of Neville Goddard and really started diving into that and listening to his lectures, um, uh, then it was like, yeah, okay, this is this is the way it is. Yeah. This is the, the way it, uh, it works. Definitely. So, And then uh, his thing is, um, what, what I liked about Neville Goddard was his thing was like, I want you to try this. You can, I want you to do this, put it to the test yeah, and watch. And I did. And sure as shit, it fucking happened. You know, how so? Um, well, so when I was doing the Instagram stuff, um, um, I started just trying to be more positive and tell people about my journey and long, longer captions and yes. try to try to just give some in, insight to positivity. Yeah. And I found that people were starting to resonate with it. Ah, man, I needed to hear those words, man. Thank you so much. Just company the guitar. Videos. Yeah. So then I, when I discovered Neville, um, I started listening to him and, and um, putting into practice. Um, I think, uh, so I wanted, um, I was telling a friend of mine, I said, man, uh, I had, I had two, 2,000 followers. I said, by June, I want to have 5,000 followers. And it was March, uh, 20, might've been 2020, I think. And, um, so I, I go on, uh, uh, runs and walks every, every day. I walk three or four miles. I love that. Yeah. And so as I'm going around the track, I'm imagining, uh, I haven't seen in a while. Um, there used to be an icon for followers. So when you opened up your Instagram, a little icon would come up with a, a person, okay. shape of a person, and it would have, have the numbers, right? Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, and it was to be like, you know, this many people followed you today. Okay. Like two people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. would have a number in it. Yes. I started imagining those numbers going up, almost raining these icons with different numbers, six, uh, 64, 92, 37, 1, 17, all these just raining these things on me. And I think by uh, June, I had over 5,000 followers. Holy shit. Uh, because, you know, like you just read, the whole thing is uh, imagination creates reality. Yes. You think it, you feel it, and it projects in your world. So I freaked out. I'm like, holy shit, this is working. And so I started doing that. Um, and I just have so many examples of doing that. Uh, and, um, it, yeah, so I put it to the test basically and I've done it. I do it every day. Um, the thing is I was just telling, um, I have a, an older daughter, she's 30 and, um, uh, I went to breakfast this morning and, uh, she's married and her husband plays bass. He played bass for me a couple times in, in shows and stuff. That's awesome. But, um, so I was trying to tell her how the universe works. I've, she's heard my spiel before, but there are no uh, coincidences. There are no coincidences. Um, and we are all one mind. All of us are one mind, right? And this is how this works. Um, I 
was thinking about this song that I recorded a couple of years ago. It's a reggae song, reggae vibe. And I thought, man, I want to finish that song. Um, her husband was in a band called Pacific Dub, uh, a popular reggae, uh, Cali Roots band. Yeah. So I thought, oh, I should get him to come in. We talked about it before, but I haven't talked to him in a while. So I should ask him to come in and do that. So I'm thinking about him. He texts me that night and says, hey, man, I just came across this band called Cactus. They're awesome. And Cactus is an old band from like early 70s that really under the radar band. But was it a coincidence that I was just thinking about him and then he texts me? No. Most people say in life that, oh, I was just thinking about you, dude. And here you are calling me. And then you pass it off as coincidence. It's not a coincidence. Yeah. It's projection because what, what I want wants me. What you want wants you. Yeah. And that's what this is all about, man. So uh, I tried to tell her that. I said, you know, I haven't talked to your husband in a super long time. And we never text. I thought of him last night and he texted me last. Or it was the day before or something like that. Yeah. yeah. So these things happen t- to me all the time. And I'm just now recognizing that it's not a coincidence. Yeah. And that I am the creator of my reality. Yes. Um, it's happened with... Um, I've wanted certain people to follow me and on social media and I imagine it. I see it in my mind when I open up my Instagram and um, a couple weeks later or a month later, it's there, there they are. But it also comes down to hard work, right? Because you can think and dream all you want, but if you weren't putting out the music, if you weren't being consistent on all of those things, right? If you, those things matter as well. Yeah, the, it matters, be, but because there's um, there's this thing called the, in the Neville Goddard story. There's a thing called the bridge of incidents that all these things have to take place in order for your uh, that reality to, to project itself as external reality. So you know um, that's part of that. Of course. So I have to be doing all these other things yes. that have to go into place, but um. um but it, all of it has to come together. Yeah. It's not just one or the other. Right. Right. It's like, I guess why I say that, because like if you ever read the book called The Secret, mm-hmm. right? And it's, I haven't read it, but I know. But that. it's just like, you know, a lot of people that read it were like, oh, I can just think and dream and these things will happen, right? And it's just like, okay, but then you're also leaving the other part out of it. And that's why I like what he's saying, right? Is that it takes all of these pieces to make it happen. It's like you have to do the hard work, you have to believe in it, you have to fucking see it, you have to like and I want to read more about him to fully understand it, but it takes all of these pieces to make it happen. Uh yes. Uh, but you have to first think it. Nothing in this world Correct. was ever made that wasn't first imagined. A hundred percent. So that is the whole uh foundation of it that imagination creates reality and there's nothing you can pick out that wasn't first imagined first. of course and then uh i want to have a lot of followers so what do i need to do to do that and that's where the inspiration comes and that's where the bridge of incidents comes and you start getting this flow um and that's why you know people are impatient they don't they won't wait for things but there's a there's a there's a the time you plant the seed and the time that it, uh, you know, comes to fruition or, you know, fruit 
uh, bears fruit. Whenever absolutely. You're absolutely. But yeah. Um, yeah. It's all kind of connected, but um, I, I do think that you can think of things and just, they happen. You think so? Without, yeah. Oh, but, well, I've done it. But do you think that like for you, right? Like, you know, growing your following and everything like that, if you would have just thought it, but never did anything, would it have happened? Well, um, I know I see your point, but, um, uh, to a certain extent, um, you have to go through certain motions to, to make things happen. There's a book called, um, a very famous book called think and grow rich. And, um, who's it by? Uh, it's by Napoleon Hill. Okay. Napoleon Hill. Uh, Definitely seen it before. Let me see it. It's super popular. Yeah. Uh, it's old. I've, it's old. I've book. read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, it's basically um, it's kind of goes with what you're saying. You think about what you want your goal to be. Yes. And then you start thinking about things that will bring that into place, and then oh, things yeah, start yeah, moving. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, but yeah, you have you have to take action. To your point, of yes, course, you have to take action. I I probably you know I I I don't like saying this, but I probably could just think and and things would start moving we all do that of course but um yeah you set goals you have to you set those goals yeah right but uh that's pretty cool so that changed my life right so so you go all right hold on right so you go from you get to the five thousand. then what happens right then i want more baby i want more (laughs) i must have more oh i'm excited i'm like this thing's working yes um uh, I didn't really do much. I mean, just kind of posting as normal and things started flowing. Um, uh, so sorry to get back to your point. Cause I'm just thinking about this. So I want to get to that 5,000. So the universe knows I want to get to that 5,000. Yeah. So it starts showing me think ways to do so. So I wouldn't have gotten these had I not thought about my first goal which is to get to the 5,000 so then somebody hits me up hey man love your guitar work you want to pay um 25 bucks and we'll promote you sure that's an opportunity that wasn't there before in in my world so I did it and all of a sudden these opportunities pop up I have now turned on the light and all these opportunities start coming in and that is what you're talking about, about doing the work. But those opportunities come from the very first thought of the goal, the very first imagination. And so, um, yeah, I, start, I just started, um, you know, people started resonating with my, the positivity. And they started um, in the captions and my positivity. And, uh, and they started liking the guitar playing. And, and so, yeah, it just started, it started growing. How did you know that dude that wanted to charge you 25 bucks wasn't a scam? Because you know how many of those are out there. Uh, I didn't know. Well, I, I investigated a little bit. I'm looking yeah. at his page and, you know, there's, you look at their comments and if they're real comments, you can tell. So, yeah, like 25 bucks. Well, I'm out 25 yeah. bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for and it. It just like promotes different musicians. Yeah. And- but, uh, man, it started just, I mean, I'm telling you, I started screenshotting every day because I I was getting literally a hundred followers a day. I was my mom, I'm like 86, 97, a hundred followers every single day. I mean, it just, the gate, just the dam broke. And then how often were you posting? Uh, I can't remember. It, it was like consistently, uh, semi consistently. Yeah. Yeah. 
uh, you know, and just trying to trying to keep those words positive, and people started resonating with that, and um, kind of started growing. And then, how often do you, to this day, do you consistently post? Yeah, so now I try to well, I try to post every day, uh, at least a few times a week. Yes, you know, um, just some guitar stuff and the stories. My stories are different; they're they're a little bit more like personal. Well, I try to keep the feed as like guitar stuff, but my stories are more. Uh, I'm really into plants and flowers and stuff, so I'll, I'll put my plants in there, my dogs, and you know, I usually address people like, "Hey guys, what's up, man?" Boom, boom, boom. I, you know. Hope you guys have a good day or whatever. And and where do you want to take this? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I, I wouldn't. I it's it's something we all have to do to grow yeah. in this day and age. I don't know if I could, I would just go back to just playing and just do it the old school way. Yeah. But um, I, I well, so this kind of goes back to your point of like, um, you know, making things happen and doing putting in the work. Um, I was determined to do this the DIY way. I'm going to get where I want to go. This is before Neville. Did the DIY way. You know, fuck this social media bullshit. I'm talking grassroots. Yeah. You know. But it was going so slow, man. I mean, I was going, dude, when is this going to break, you know? Um, so um, I remember being in Memphis and this kid, said we were at the uh, Sun Records looking at all the Elvis stuff. And then he goes, hey, I saw your show last night, man. I go, oh, wow, thanks, man. You know, I'm glad you were there. And he goes, yeah, you guys kick ass. And he goes, but I went on your uh, Facebook. You, guys, you only have 3,000 fans or followers. And and uh, that's amazing because you guys are so good. And I'm like, well, I don't really do much social media. So basically, old dog learning new tricks. Yes. Um, I had to, you know, some of my friends were younger band and, and i saw them growing i'm like dude how do you guys you know can you help me with this and i'm like yeah yeah here's what you do and you try this try that and you'll start seeing some growth and and i did and it was okay but then you know i could put that with the neville stuff and that's when it started really going but um yeah I mean, this is the new age of like, I mean, you could say like grassroots, right? Because like, I mean, how many people are out there just handing out CDs on Venice Boardwalk, right? It's like, yeah. you know, this day and age, it's like you, you have to incorporate social media if you're a musician, you're any type of creator, right? It's yeah. like if you're not incorporating social media into your 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 marketing funnel, if you will, right? Like you're not going to be able to grow um, anywhere near at the rate as you can grow uh, through utilizing social media, yeah. right? Because that, that the ability to reach millions, billions of people, you know, at, on the drop of a dime, right? I mean, obviously there's so many people out there trying to claw their ways into your feed, right? But unlike ne never before up until like the past decade, right? Is like you have this opportunity to be able to speak to so many people. And it's like, you know, for, for a lot of people out there, it does come down to consistency though, right? You, you have to be consistent. It doesn't matter what it is. I mean, I, I like to talk about this a lot. There's the biggest YouTuber in the world, Mr. Beast, right? Um, you know, this dude, each one of his videos gets the same amount of views that the fucking Super Bowl does, right? But a lot of people, 
they think like this thing happened overnight. And it's like, no, this dude posted for five, six years without really gaining any fucking traction, right? You look at Joe Rogan, right? He he fucking posted podcasts for three years and would get like 200, 1,000, 2,000 fucking listens. Like, like nothing, right? Compared to the 12 million fucking views he gets each episode now, right? Yeah. And so it's like, it, you, you, you have to be consistent. And when people aren't listening, you still, as long as you're putting out good quality content on a consistent basis, yeah. the cream always rises to the top. It always rises to the top. It might take one year. It might take three years. It might take 10 years, right? But if you stay consistent, shit will happen, right? And obviously, you you have to believe in yourself. And that's what it comes into, like, thinking about it and projecting it and putting it out there, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. And consistency is, I learned that, you know, that, that, that's, uh, you know, you have to sometimes you have to find a way around things and, uh, perspective plays a big role in that and how I learned to, uh, come to terms with it, you know, cause I'm old school, man. I was like, fine, kids on their social media, you know? yes. uh, yeah, but, um, uh, I had to do something different. I had to do something different for my business because now I'm a business. I have a business license. I have a business uh, EIN. I'm treating this as a mom and pop shop and I want to grow and um, uh, want the band to grow and and, I'm, and it's growing. Yeah. But um, the social media was not growing. So, um, yeah, I started being more consistent. And, and when you, of course, naturally, when you see those numbers coming in, you want to be more consistent. Yes. Um, but... Um, so, you know, the perspective I have is, you know, that I had to change from being like, get off my lawn, you know, to, yes. to like, this is cool, is a, basically appreciation and gratefulness and coming from like, dude, this guy in fucking Fiji just saw my guitar post and told me what it meant to him and how, how it inspired him. And I get a lot of that. And it's easy to just be like, oh, cool, next. And I, I did do that. Yeah. And I stopped myself. Hey, man, this guy from the Ukraine just told you that he went and bought a guitar because he saw your video. Yeah. I got people drinking Modelos. <laughs> yeah. Got, you know, it's, it's, and you're, on one level, you're just like, what the fuck? Yeah. Dude, I'm just a guitar player on social media. What's the big deal? But, that positivity that started coming back at me yes. and people were saying amazing, beautiful things to me. And I've always felt that, um, I mean, and we heard early on, right. When we were kids that the, f the most sincere form of flattery is imitation. Yes. Uh, I swapped that word out for inspiration. The most sincerest form of flattery is inspiration. Yeah. So I'm like, wow, that's really cool. And I get those on the daily, man. And they just want to talk to me and they just want to tell me um, that they appreciate me. And uh, and they're from all over the world. Yeah. And uh, I had like a, like a re, you know, not not a reawakening, but it just one of those things where you, you, you go through life and you're just going, you're doing your thing. And, and then you get like, oh, yeah, fuck, I forgot. You know, yeah. I was kind of bored. Uh, I was just, uh, I'll do live, you know, do Instagram live. I went live and, uh, you know, you see all the people coming on and I'm like, and they're like, you know, 
Hello from Canada. Hello from <laughs> Germany. Hello from Japan. Hello from Samoa. You know, and, and that's why I was like, "Holy fuck!" I go, and I say, "Yeah, we got we got Samoa in the house. What's happening, man? What? Oh shit, we got the you know uh, this this country that country, and that's the whole beauty of it. Yes, that's the, as as bad as the internet is and the web. Um, it's also that much beautiful. Oh my know? gosh! And, so. Absolutely. I mean, so many people always want to talk about the bad and I'm guilty of it too, right? But there, in my personal opinion, I think that the internet brings way more good than it does bad. But as a society, we like to focus on the bad, not the good, right? Being able to communicate and inspire and transmit this, the the education and and just everything that we can do and connect, um, you know, our, our worlds together, unlike never before, Dude, that's what the internet is all fucking about, yeah. right? And for you to be able to like grow and inspire people from all over the fucking world, it's it's so cool. It's just, and like you said, it's like, you know, for, for you growing up in a generation where that was not a thing, to then be able to change and pivot and and, and do what you're doing now, Right. It's, you know, it's, it's bearing the, you know, the fruits of, of your, of your labor. Right. And, and, and you continue to do that and you will continue to inspire people. You know, as we start to wrap this up, man, you know, this is a question that I like to ask a lot of people, but you know, for, for you, when you leave this earth, what do you want to be remembered for? Uh, I just want to be remembered, man. Really. I just, if, if people remember me and in a good way, and find humor and can laugh about uh, uh, the bad things, uh, then hey, I'm good with that. You know, I don't really, I, just to be remembered would be cool. Yeah. You know, I just hope that, that uh, people say, uh, you know, hey, I did something, you know, I oh, remember this, remember that, you know. And uh, yeah, I was an asshole. Remember the time he fucking did this or what? Or what? <laughs> you know, even the bad stuff becomes good, you know, at a set some point. Yes. You know, it becomes a laughing point or a, a point of, um, a, you know, a good memory. So, yeah, if I'm if I'm remembered, then cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what is that saying? Like hindsight is twenty twenty, right? So it's like even the negative shit, you know, eventually turns positive, right? And it's like you know, even for like for me, like my biggest failures in my, my life. Um, I look at them as positives now. Why? Because I learned from those experiences and, uh, you know, shifted and, and became the person I am today. And so it's like, even if we have negative experiences, like if you can laugh about it, right. In years to come, it's like, well, who fucking gives a shit yeah. and things become less important too. like as time goes on. Right. What we think is bad today is not going to be bad tomorrow. Yeah. And that's a, you know, to that point right there, it's like, man, I've really learned like this has been said in songs before. Like I think it was in a in a, one of the Lincoln Park songs or something. In the end. Yeah, that's them. Nothing matters, dude. It really, it really doesn't. And I've learned that. I'm so thankful that I learned it doesn't fucking matter. No. It doesn't matter. You know, you get all hyped up about this and what the fuck? Nah, 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 it, and it doesn't matter. In yeah. the end, it doesn't matter. Yes, yeah, yeah. dude. It's it's so crazy. It's like if you're you're upset at, at someone, right? And you're gonna send them an email or a text, right? Type that shit out, right? <laughs> Wait a day or two, yeah. read that shit. 
If you still feel that way, okay, fucking send it, right? But a lot of times you're like, "Eh, you know, maybe not, right? Maybe not so much. All right, last question, brother. Mm. Do you believe in aliens? Uh, Let me tell you about aliens, man. Let me hear it. (laughs) Um, Nothing, there is nothing that would surprise me. I mean, to God's honest truth, man. Um, In fact, I was just thinking about this on the drive up. Uh, I'd seen something where there's uh, somebody says uh, there's there's a theory that there's uh, reptilian humanoids at the core of the earth and they're basically running the whole show. In my mind, I'm probably like, oh, I could see that. (laughs) I I wouldn't be like, no way, no way. Yeah. I would just be like, oh, I believe it. Yeah. They told me, you know, this is all just a computer simulation that we're living in and it's a matrix. I'd be like, cool. Uh, is there going to be, can I still have sex and drink beer and play <laughs> rock and roll? Okay. Well then let's go. You know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, I, but, um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I wouldn't be surprised, but yeah. I was, so to answer your question. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I believe in Bigfoot. I believe in, uh, I believe in, I believe in everything. Yeah. You know, I just, if, until disproven, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess like, you know, who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Who, I mean, probably. Right. I just don't think that uh, on just a different level, there, there's just no way that the universe is as big as it is. Yeah. As it's like infinite. And we're the only ones. Uh, of course. No of course. Uh, there's, just, just no there's just no, I mean, they've yeah. already done the, the, the math behind it. Right. Um, and there's just, there's just no fucking way. There's no way. I, and if there wasn't right, that's, that's fucking, that's scary. Yeah. For me to think that like, like aliens, right. I, I, I believe that my core. Right. But to think that there's nothing else out there. Yeah. That's fucking I, I did hear a theory that I thought was interesting recently, like a couple of weeks ago or a month ago, uh, that the aliens that at least that we're shown or that uh, they tell us about, they're actually um, uh, evolved humans from the future coming back yeah. because of, I think they broke down, um, you know, the growth of people and uh, the way, the way we're going, the way we're headed. And um, eventually down the line, we'll, our brains will be more, you know, bigger and we'll, we'll, we'll be evolving into aliens ourselves. A hundred percent. And they're already there. Of and course. Coming back. Absolutely. I mean, so. dude, you, you just, you look at what we, the picture we paint as an alien, right? The fucking big, big brain, all smooth, fucking no genitalia. Right. right. Like, you continue down this path, like this is what I'm sure that's what we turn into. Right. Right. Like it, that, that just, that makes a lot of fucking sense to me. Yeah. Right. You know, speaking telepathically, right. Not having to reproduce with this fucking body. I mean, it's like you, you get smart enough and you're all of the technology controls, everything, AI, robotics, all of those fucking things. Right. Yeah. And so it's like, yeah, that definitely, um, it, it, just even asking this question, I just love hearing people's different answers, right? And I always like ending those two questions. Yeah, because why would we think that this is it? Yeah. Uh, this Our bodies are going to stay this way and we are not going to evolve physically. A hundred percent. It doesn't make any no, sense. It makes no sense. 
and 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 if if you believe in evolution, which I do, right? Um, do you think we're it, it just stops? Like right. if, if if evolution is a real thing, that oh we're so fucking magical that it just stops. No, get the fuck out of here, man. <laughs> like literally, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. So. My brother, dude, thanks for having we me. We fucking did it, dude. We did it. We did it. We absolutely, nah, man. Thank you so much yeah. for coming on. Blast. Where, where, where can people find your stuff? Uh, man, everywhere. You know, you just can Google my name, Harless Sweetwater, and uh, everything will come up. You know, but they can find me on Instagram as my main spot. I I don't do much on Facebook, but um, you know, a little bit, very little on TikTok. Not getting on that Chinese um, spyware. Nah, nah. They know everything about me. They yeah. do, <laughs> of course they do. Yeah. I mean, dude, your shit can grow pretty quick on there, though. Oh, really? Oh, dude, Tyler. I mean, we'll talk after. Yeah, uh, okay, yeah, for sure. Well, dude. that's what my 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 nieces told me, and then I kind of. But again, again, I am an old dog learning new tricks, so I'm probably not doing it right. Yeah, but um, uh, yeah, my website, if the hub, you know, if you want to, if anything happens or you can't find me, it's um, Harless Sweetwater now dot com my full name heartless sweetwater now.com and um that's how my shows and everything but you just google the name and it, it, luckily it comes up um should i give my porn hub address yes or? please please your <laughs> porn hub your only fans uh give out your yeah. grinder your yeah, tinder yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my brother but, yeah. thank you so much i appreciate really appreciate it, you yeah, man. that's it baby it's thanks dude that was blast that's how we do it, gentlemen. <laughs>